Hope everyone had an amazing Thanksgiving holiday weekend. Before we start today's episode, I wanted to actually give thanks to all of you that support the show in the many ways that you do, whether it's leaving reviews on Apple Podcasts or other places, posting screenshots on your social media channels, or just telling friends. Podcasts are exploding in popularity, which is awesome, but it is also really hard for a little show like this one to stand out. So I'm really thankful for those of you who do help us to do just that. And if you have not already, please help us out. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It is free, just like this podcast, totally free. You can also, as I mentioned, share it on social media or just tell someone you care about that you think would enjoy the show. And for that, I am so thankful to all of you. I had a 550 credit score. I had no money down and I had two loans. So I had one loan that I had a seven and a half percent fixed rate. And then I had a second loan that an 11 and a half percent adjustable rate. And I literally did not know what any of that meant. You're listening to Financial Grown-Up with me, certified financial planner, Bobby Rebel, author of How to Be a Financial Grown-Up. And you know what? Being a grown-up is really hard, especially when it comes to money. But it's okay. We're going to get there together. I'm going to bring you one money story from a financial grown-up, one lesson, and then my take on how you can make it your own. We got this. Okay, friends, if that cold open didn't pique your interest, this will. Our guest had literally no idea she had an adjustable three-year mortgage. She also had no steady income, and it got a lot worse from there. Don't worry, there's a happy ending. Certified financial planner Georgia Lee Hussey had a tumultuous childhood without a lot of money security. After getting a college scholarship, she studied installation sculpture and creative writing and was working in the art world. But after moving around a bit in her early and mid-20s, she made what she believed to be a very adult decision to buy a house, except she had no idea what she was getting into. And that's where the drama begins, along with her path to actually becoming a financial grown-up. Spoiler alert, Georgia Lee Hussey is now, as I mentioned, a certified financial planner and the force behind wealth management firm, Modernist Financial. But the story of what happened in between the home buying incident and the money management career is pretty unbelievable. Here is Georgia Lee Hussey. Georgia Lee Hussey, you're a financial grown-up. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted to be here. I am a huge fan of yours and Modernist Financial, which is your company. It's a wealth management firm. You focus on progressive people structuring their wealth around their values. You're also featured everywhere from Goop to M.M. LaFleur and countless other publications. So it's an honor to have you here. Well, thank you so much. It's fun to be able to talk about money stories, my favorite topic. Let's get into that now. It has to do with your first real estate purchase. You were just 27 years old. Tell us your money story. Sure. So when I moved back to Portland from New York, I thought, well, I want to move back and I want to buy a house because everybody I know is buying houses. And they were telling me how easy it was and how great it was and how much the values of their houses were going up. And it seemed too good to be true. And as we know, things that are too good to be true often are. And so I qualified for a mortgage. You'll love this. I had a 550 credit score. I had no money down and I had two loans. So I had one loan that I had a 7.5% fixed rate, and then I had a second loan that an 
5% adjustable rate. And I literally did not know what any of that meant. So the process of buying this home as a single person and trying to figure out how to make the cash flow for that work when I was working basically a high-end sales job with irregular income was quite an awakening to what it meant to be a financial grown-up. When you were getting this loan, did the loan salesperson, for lack of a better word, did they explain any of this to you? You know, they may have, but it was such a blur because everything was new. I didn't know what any of the terms really meant. I'd never been, I'd never been around somebody who bought a house before. And I'm a pretty smart person and savvy, but not, not in the world of finance. So they may have explained it to me, but I was surprised two years later when I was trying to figure out what to do with the house and that I was going to have an adjustable rate. I I literally didn't understand that about how how long was it before it adjusted? Mm, I think I had, it was a three-year arm. Oh, That's short. Wow. Oh, God. <laughs> As a CFP, I would, it just makes me cringe inside <laughs> to think about that. Although I was very lucky, thanks to a lot of privilege, to be able to get out of that house. So how did it play out? So you're in this house, it becomes pretty clear that with your irregular income from a sales job, this is not sustainable. Mm-hmm. What happens? Sure. So I did all the you know, scrappy punk rock arty things that I had always done. You know, I got renters, I rented my garage, I rented the extra bedrooms, I did work trade with people to paint it. And, you know, I I was working in modern interior design. That's how I leveraged my sculpture background. And so I could make it look really good. (laughs) So I was helped, I was really leveraging the resources in my community and my friend group to be able to do that. But as I was realizing the extent of the problem of not understanding how to budget really, because nobody I'd ever been around had budgeted. I started learning everything I could from basically personal finance blogs, which were the equivalent of personal finance podcasts in the early aughts. And um, I realized how much mm, structural ignorance I had about how money operated and how mortgages worked and how taxes worked. And so I just started teaching myself everything I could and talking to my friends about it because I was really surprised by how little I understood. And then I started talking with my friends and they were really ashamed that they didn't know either. And that's really what struck me was that these incredibly intelligent, successful creatives were as dumbfounded as I was by money. And I realized that nobody had taught us anything about money. And I think that's pretty intersectional. You know, a lot of my friends were female. A lot of my friends were queer. A lot of my friends were creatives or artists of one kind or another. And all of us in our individual groups has been disenfranchised from the world of wealth and wealth accumulation for a variety of reasons and a variety of money stories. And so that really is what lit the fire under me to become a CFP. Because I realized there were so many people who were being excluded from the financial world of stability and safety. And so I realized there had to be some job that did this. I was looking for a career change anyway. And I really loved the analytical element of money and the creativity of problem solving, which I, it's basically my joke is that. Financial planning is exactly the same as installation sculpture, but it's just instead of using money, you're using clementines or glass or whatever your your medium of choice is. 
So wait, what happened with the house? So I had the house for three years. That that was when I was starting to learn about the um, personal residency exclusion. <laughs> what does that mean? Yeah. So if you own a house and it's your personal residence and you sell it and you've lived in it, you are able to not have to take the gains on the sale. So I had, there's a $250,000 exclusion. That was not going to be a problem that I had. I think I had a $10,000 gain on the house. It wasn't going to be a big deal. But if you don't live in the house at the sale, you have a certain period of time that the IRS can look back and tax you on the gain. So I was renting the house because I had moved in with my partner at that point. And I realized that I sort of had a, I had a moment where I had to either sell it or commit to renting it for the long term. And I think that was really my first opportunity to analyze an investment and make a decision on whether this was a good choice to, to sell or hold. I ultimately decided that I wanted to sell because I did not like owning real estate. Too much time and energy required to maintain it. And you sold it at a slight profit. A tiny profit. But really, if you look at how much money and energy I put into that house, it was basically a forced savings account with a very high rent. (laughs) (laughs) So what is the lesson for our listeners from this story? Well, I think there's a couple. One is that self-efficacy is a skill that we built. I didn't know anything about money, but I was able to access information about money and how to build my own self-efficacy around this new skill set. So that's one thing. I would also say that identifying your money story is essential because when I was at the beginning of my journey, I was learning a lot of new skills around budgeting and money management. But until I paired that with the work I was doing in therapy around behavior change and personal awareness, I couldn't utilize those tools and structures very well. I wasn't utilizing them. I knew them, but I couldn't implement it. It's like a doctor saying you need to lose weight. And that's the only tool that we're given. And money is so emotional. Now there's plenty of research now showing that all of our decisions are emotional and we just make them seem rational and logical. So once I understood that I had been told I couldn't be good with money as a creative and as a woman, I had been told that budgeting was dumb or not cool. (laughs) You know, that there were all these layers of money stories Once I identified those and could pick them apart a bit, it was much easier for me to step into these structures with a sense of personal awareness and clarity about how they were going to serve me and how they were going to help me change that story going forward. That's so insightful. Let's talk about your everyday money tip because it has to do with something that weaves through everything you're saying, which is friends and family. Yeah. There's a series of questions we ask our clients, and I would highly recommend asking your friends and family because we're heading into the holiday season. It's a great opportunity to have some more substantial conversations about what's important to us and what we value in the various relationship circles we live in. So one thing that I think is an interesting question is, what did your mother teach you about money? What did your father teach you about money? Often they're not explicit lessons, like sitting down and having the talk, but they're usually things we gather from watching the world around us. And they're usually different for each parent or guardian that we have in our life. 
And then I think it's really interesting to ask our parents, what did your mom and your dad teach you? And what do you think their moms and dads taught them? I love that part of it because we often just relate to our own generation and one up. But if we have the opportunity, if we are with our parents and the older generations, ask them what they learned from their ancestors, because Mm -hmm. we rarely get that. And I know we don't have time to get into it now, but people can follow up and read in all the places you're interviewed. And I'll leave some links in our show notes. But you have a very interesting multi-generational story about money that really formed who you are today. And who you are today, by the way, is as the CEO of Modernist Financial, you deal with very complex and large businesses. So you're not someone that necessarily our listeners can engage to be their personal money manager, but you have tremendous resources for people. Absolutely. Yeah. Our goal is to be able to eventually serve the entire income spectrum, but right now we're focused on doing wealth management extremely well. So what we do is we take the work we do with our clients and then we spin it off onto our website and Instagram and LinkedIn, et cetera, so that everyone can access these tools as well. A lot of them are these awareness building tools around our money stories and our financial life planning work, but also how do we understand the structures that we operate within? May they be tax structures or estate planning structures or charitable giving? And then how do we use the awareness that we build around our own values and our own stories to utilize those structures in a way that is intentional and aligned with what's most important to us? A good example is investing. You know, a lot of folks that I think the common story in the industry is that you can't really invest in alignment with your values or you lose out on returns. And first of all, that's certainly not been true over the past 10 years. Most ESG, environmental, social, and governance metrics have performed quite well. (laughs) But that's actually just an old story about how we're supposed to invest, that we need to undermine what's important to us in order to make money. If we want to manage our tax rate, that's important, but we also have to acknowledge that when we keep reducing our tax rate and utilize the tax code, especially for those of us who are living with a lot of privilege and economic privilege, we are defunding our local community. And so it's about understanding better the structures that we operate within so we can make more conscious decisions. That's amazing. Tell us where people can find you and uh, these resources and your social media handles. Yeah. So we, first of all, you can find us at modernistfinancial.com. You can also scroll down on the homepage and you'll see a link to our Modernist Money Toolkit. And that has three tools you can download to start discovering your personal relationship with money. Highly recommend you download them and then you print them out and you take them to Thanksgiving or Christmas. (laughs) I love it. It's a great way to start these conversations because there's just so much to be learned from the people that we hold most dear. And then I would also say on our website, there's a link in the resources section to referrals and resources. And we have tons of information on how to find a great financial planner who's a retainer-based planner or how to what books we love about money or podcasts that we love about money, or how do we start talking about death and dying, which is something I'm really passionate about, as well as, you know, good old fashioned investing and tax planning insights. So I think those are really great places to look. And then our Instagram is quite pretty, I think, um, and is a nice way to also access the brand and the work that we're doing. And that's at Modernist Financial. Yes, at Modernist Financial. You got it. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. 
All right, let's do this, my friends. Financial grown-up tip number one, don't sign anything you don't understand, even if all the cool kids are doing it. Georgia's friends were buying homes, and I'll bet most of them were just as clueless about what they were signing. No excuses. Ask questions. Read the documents. For those of you guys who have not been at a real estate closing, you write checks and everyone else leaves with checks that they cash. You are paying these people. Make them explain everything. Don't let them rush you. You're the one who is paying. You are the one who is on the hook. I have not done this all the time. I have signed documents I have not known. And you know what? I now know better. So I'm passing that knowledge on to you. Take the time, no matter how long it takes. Financial grown-up tip number two. Speaking of friends, George's decision to buy a home was influenced by her friends, who truly meant well. But beware of well-intentioned peer influence, kind of a cousin to peer pressure. Your friends most likely don't know your actual full financial picture, including your goals, and you don't have to share it with them. When they encourage you to, for example, treat yourself to whatever, especially this holiday season, they mean well but they aren't paying. Thank them for their advice and support. And just say, you'll think about it to deflect any persistence. I do want to thank those of you who have been writing reviews, including my diary 89 who writes, I love this podcast. I love that it's 15 minutes or less. I don't have all the time to listen to podcasts. The format of this podcast is made for a busy person. Tidbits, tips, and awesome interviews all within 15 minutes, what's not to love? Well, thank you, My Diary 89 I love this review. It totally made my day, and it is truly appreciated. By the way, guys, everyone, if you do write a review, do a screen grab of the podcast, and please tag me or DM me and share it on social media. Let me know at BobbyRebel1 on Instagram, BobbyRebel on Twitter, and if you are looking to add some podcasts to your list, please check out my other podcast, Money with Friends with Joe Salcihai. You might know him from his other podcast, Stacking Benjamins. And with that, big thanks to Georgia Lee Hussey of Modernist Financial for helping us all be financial grownups. Financial Grown Up with Bobby Rebel is edited and produced by Steve Stewart and is a BRK Media production.